Welcome to the Weather Channel podcast. I'm Kate Parker. I'm a meteorologist for weather.com and the Weather Channel app. And today we are talking water levels in the Great Lakes, which may not seem like, ooh, wow, what an interesting topic. But it is, especially whenever you're diving into it with two of the most uh, knowledgeable men that you can find out there and that I love working with. Jonathan Erdman, who is our senior digital meteorologist, has a long history in Wisconsin, often enjoys going to the lake, enjoying the lakes. And we also have Tom Nizzle, the former winter weather expert for the Weather Channel. He also was the director of the NWS in uh, Buffalo for 30 years he was there. So just a little bit of an expert here pulling the weight for this Southern gal who's going to try and keep up with this conversation on on what's happening with these lake levels, why we're seeing so much erosion, homes being damaged. This is just seeming to happen year after year. So we're going to get to them. But I do want to note that Tom Nizzle is now a mountain man. He's living my best life where I would like to be. So you may hear some pauses or some issues with uh, with the service up there. And uh, it's a little challenging to get. But uh, I'm a little envious. Tom, it's really good to talk to you again, man. Well, the wonders of technology. It's great to be up at about 4,000 feet in the Appalachians and be able to talk to you. Uh, you know, Kate, it's fascinating for those who aren't aware of the Great Lakes. There's over 34 million people that live in that area uh, of the Great Lakes region in the U.S. and Canada. So those water levels have a tremendous impact on the population. And on John, who lives not far from the lake. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Kate. Yeah, I live uh, just outside of Milwaukee, and uh, it's one of my favorite things to do in the spring and the summer is to go to the Milwaukee Lakeshore. They've got wonderful paths and uh, bike and hike along it. And uh, yeah, I mean, the last few years, uh, some of the sites there of the erosion is 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 really something that I have, I have not seen since I've grown up here. So weren't we just talking about the possibility of lake effect snow in May? <laughs> <laughs> Weren't we just yeah. talking about that like last week? Was that like last week, John? Yeah, we've had we had a case like that in April, and it looks like uh, as we're recording this on May sixth, uh, it looks like they could have some Mother's Day weekend snow in parts of the interior Northeast, including Lake Effect, which is just bizarre. So <laughs> it, it's not supposed to happen at this time of the year. In fact, the lakes are supposed to provide a stable atmosphere in May, but with that kind of cold air. It's it's amazing that it's likely going to happen. It's, you know, it's it's amazing, John. You know, we look at this all of the time with weather and how variable the weather is, especially across the Great Lakes at any time of the year. And that variability in weather is what's really driving these these drastic changes in lake levels over the past couple decades. Yeah, we've had uh, some wet years in a row, and uh, particularly, you know, I've been I've been back in Wisconsin for about five years now, and we've we've had uh, a couple of the wettest years on record in 2019 and 2018 and really even going back into 2017 and 2016 so you just build up this surplus you know you either get a lot of snow in the winter you get heavy summer rain and you just build up this surplus over time and it all that drains into the great lakes basin and building on this wet pattern, there's just no way for it to release. So uh, it's certainly been wet since I've been here. And uh, it's actually over the last uh, several weeks, it's, it's been a little drier, which is kind of nice. But uh, we're, we're, we're in quite a wet hole here in Wisconsin. Well, what, what's interesting, if you look at the lakes, and let's go back and take a look at, you know, the five major Great Lakes, Superior, 
Michigan, Huron, Erie, and Ontario. And if you look at the Michigan-Huron complex, those two lakes we look at together from a what we call a hydrologic point of view, they're at record high levels and are expected to be there through July. These are records that go back over 100 years on the lakes. Uh, uh, and and that, that just is unprecedented to see something like that. Superior is going to be just below their record level they attained in 2019. Erie's at a new record high. Uh, the only lake right now that is not at a record level is Lake Ontario, and it had been there in 2017 and again 2019. So my gosh, this uh, precipitation excess that we've seen over the last four or five years here has been driving this. And the lake levels play what I refer to as a tug of war with their water levels between the precipitation that enters the lake and the evaporation. And that's how the lake loses most of its water. So the precipitation has been winning out time and time again over the past few years here. So what is the human application of this? I mean, the lake levels are high. What does that, what is, what has that meant for all these years that we've had, where we've had these lake levels above average and record breaking? Well, what we've seen, Kate, is when the lake levels are this high, you get a major storm over the Great Lakes and you easily get lakeshore flooding. So for instance, if um, you get a strong area, low pressure that forms, say, over the Eastern Great Lakes, and there's north winds that are coming down over Lake Michigan, that piles all this water on the south shore of Lake Michigan. So places like southwest lower Michigan, northwest Indiana, Chicago Lakeshore, uh, even up to uh, Racine and Kenosha counties in Wisconsin, and even uh, the Port of Milwaukee. We saw a big storm in uh, January, which flooded the Port of Milwaukee. Some people said they'd never seen a storm like that before. It, it doesn't, and the, the insidious thing about this, it doesn't take a major storm to do this. Uh, in hmm. fact, our, uh, you know, within the last week or so, we're recording this podcast on May 6th, we had an event where we had north winds coming down the entire length of Green Bay, which, you know, you know, Green Bay, the Packers. Well, there's actually a bay called Green Bay. <laughs> you look at Wisconsin, it, had, it looks like a left-handed mitten. And the, the thumb would be the Door County Peninsula. And kind of in between the thumb and the index finger is Green Bay. It came all the way down in there and it piled water into parts of the city of Green Bay. When the lakes are this high, it doesn't take a big storm to produce lakeshore flooding. And so we're kind of in this conundrum where, you know, every every cold front is is going to cause at least some minor flooding. You know what this kind of reminds me of and that we talk a lot about <laughs> and do a lot of stories on in our Weather Channel app and everything it, are the king tides. It's kind of like you have this already elevated water level and anything that happens is anything, any small influence on top of that is causing the flooding. But is that impacting like homes and businesses? Is it just entering streets? What have we seen with, you know, respect to damage and stuff? Boy, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Kate, if you, you go over to the far eastern lake, uh, Lake Ontario, the whole southern shore of that lake borders New York State. Last year, there were so many events where we had northeast winds on the lake. Those are winds coming on shore of that lake that it seemed almost every other day there was a lakeshore warning for flooding for residents there. We wow. saw video of, of homes actually dropping into the lake with the shoreline being eroded away. In fact, it got so bad, the Governor Cuomo actually declared a state of emergency back in May of last year for Lake Ontario, specifically for the flooding that was occurring. Okay, yes, those are, yeah, 
those are impacts, I would say. <laughs> those are pretty significant impacts. And it doesn't seem like this is really letting up. I know, um, John, you talked a little bit about how this kind of it has been going on for years, building and building and building on these water levels. But where are we now and how did we get here? Tom did some amazing calculations to kind of lend some perspective. When we talk about a lake being a few inches above average, that doesn't sound like much. Okay, eh, it's a few inches. What's what's the big deal, right? But it's a few inches projected over the entire surface area of the lake. Tom, you can chime in here. I think you did some calculations where if you combine all the lakes, there is an excess of tens of trillions of gallons of water in the Great Lakes compared to average in May. Yeah, the scale that we're working on with the Great Lakes, I mean, I define these as, as inland freshwater seas uh, to some extent because they cover such a large surface area uh, ac- across the, uh, you know, uh, the northern United States. And, and so the amount of extra water that's in those lakes right now is, is staggering. Um, the calculations would, would just blow you away here. Um, and what's fascinating, again, is this has all taken place since about 2014. All right, so think of this. Since 2014, the lakes have gradually gone up to record levels. And these are records, again, that I said were over 100 years of records. But what's fascinating is that 2014 point, that was a turning point because for about 10 to 15 years before that, the lakes were actually at record low levels because there wasn't much precipitation during that time, a lot of evaporation. So we not only had this change in about 2014, but it was a massive change going from record low to record high levels. And you know, what concerns me, John, on this is, my gosh, with a changing climate, as, as we're going through uh, these changes, are we going to see these drastic changes on lake levels? And how are we going to begin to plan for that, um, especially if you're a resident that lives along that shoreline? Well, that's a good point. Our friends at Climate Central put out some research a few years ago, basically saying that in the Midwest, there's been a 42% increase in the heaviest precipitation events from the late 1950s through the middle part of the last decade. And in the Northeast, that's a 55% increase in those heaviest soaking downpour rain events, the heaviest wow. 1% of rain events. So that's, that's, that is worrying. I think, as you mentioned earlier, there's, you know, how do you get the lake levels to fall? Well, there's no, there's no uh, simple outlet. You know, it goes through the St. Lawrence Valley, right? So that's one way to drain them. But the majority of it, as you said, is from evaporation. So you almost need uh, several dry years in a row, which obviously isn't great for agriculture. So, and um, it's it, okay. So this is this is so down the line of the conversation that we have so often whenever it comes to climate change is that we are not built for these extremes. You know, our infrastructure and our the where we live, uh, how we get our water, whatever it may be, uh, is not built to these extremes, these historic droughts, these historic uh, extreme rainfall events that we see the lake levels going up, up, up. So that it really is the challenge. And I think both of you really hit that nail on the head. As far as this year goes in particular. Are we in for any of that evaporation? Are we going to see a glow to the Atlantic through the St. Lawrence Valley? I mean, do we have any positive news? 
it's okay if we don't, but I just, you know, I got to ask. <laughs> well, one positive aspect of this is if you look at the Great Lakes overall, Lake Ontario, which has the farthest east lake there that borders the New York shorelines, that lake had tremendous uh, impacts in erosion and flooding in 2017 and 2019. The precipitation in that lake basin has been a little less than normal going into this year. And we're actually, the researchers are looking at forecast of that level dropping as we go into the summer. Now, it's still going to be well above normal, but at least that lake seems to be dropping somewhat. But boy, you take a look at the other lakes here. I mean, John, you and I were talking about the soil moisture across the Great Lakes right now. It's at record levels. I mean, the ground can't take any more water. And so the runoff into the lakes is going to be considerable. And the forecast, once again, going in through the summer, Michigan, Huron, record high levels through July. Superior is going to be very close again to a record level. Erie right now is at a record level. So, uh, Kate, there's not a lot of good news there. And and this is it's important for for those who live along that lake shore to be aware of the type of storms and the type of wind directions that are going to cause flooding. Lake Erie is one of these amazing bodies of water that can have drastic changes in its water levels due to strong winds that move down the length of that lake. In fact, in Buffalo, they can see rises in the lake level of five to seven feet in about a 12-hour period from a storm. Ooh. You couple that on top of already a high water level on that lake, and these flood events uh, can come at a moment's notice with these storms and mm -hmm. can cause really, really rapid destruction in those areas. So it's just important to be aware of what is going to be happening weather-wise throughout this summer. You also mentioned the soil moisture. So the soil moisture plays a bit of a role into our forecast as far as temperatures go. Now, you were saying, hey, having uh, nice, dry, hot weather would be a best-case scenario to increase the evaporation, but high soil moisture, plus the fact that we're in like this super amplified pattern right now, it, it doesn't bode well for at least the next little bit as far as our chances at really seeing a reduction in those lake levels go, it seems. Yeah. When you have, uh, when you have high soil moisture, that means the ground cannot absorb any rain that comes in. So it runs right off into rivers, which eventually if it's in the Great Lakes drainage basin, it goes into the Great Lakes. And yeah, Tom's right. I mean, that, especially the Northern Great Lakes, uh, say Northern Michigan, the UP of Michigan and Northern Wisconsin is right in that top one percentile of soil moisture for early May. So if there is any heavy rainfall events over the next month or two up there, uh, it's it's going to largely go to runoff. So we we are in kind of a conundrum here. Uh, <laughs> you know, we don't think much of port cities along the Great Lakes in, in terms of climate change and adaptation. But, you know, if we if these lake levels continue to remain high, you know, some cities like Chicago and Cleveland and Detroit and Milwaukee and Buffalo, there's going to be some issues raised eventually and some decisions that have to be made about how to mitigate this going forward, because it's, it's obviously been very destructive the last few years. Oh, that's such a, an excellent point there. And, and Kate, you had that point as well. You know, we're built, our society is built for kind of these, what we refer to as normal or average weather conditions right now. But across the globe, as weather becomes more extreme on either side, wet, dry, cold, warm, whatever it might be, society has to be able to react to that. And unfortunately, 
there has been such an increase in population and residences along coastal areas, uh, you know, across the world, certainly across the United States, and that includes the Great Lakes region, that now there are more and more people who are vulnerable to these extreme changes in the weather and the climate. And governments, public agencies are going to have to work with the public to uh, develop types of mitigation techniques that um, or plans or proposals that are going to limit the impacts on those residents that live in those areas. Now, are you, do you, either of you have any plans to go in and enjoy the lakes this summer? I don't know how things are being impacted up there as far as, you know, the, the coronavirus goes and, and lockdowns. Are you going to be able to go and enjoy the lakeshore at all? Listen, let me, let me tell you one of my favorite trips back up north to upstate New York, western New York, uh, is to go to both Lake Erie and Lake Ontario and and just be able to we'll kayak and canoe out on the lakeshore areas. The visit to Niagara Falls, which, by the way, via the Niagara River, Niagara Falls takes all that water from the four upstream Great Lakes and sends it down to Lake Ontario. So to be able to stand there at at the top of Niagara Falls and feel the thunder and the roar and the vibrations and know that all of the lakes are working their way through there. There's a trip that you have to do as we begin to hopefully get back to a, a normal lifestyle out there. Uh, recreation on the Great Lakes is absolutely a multi-billion dollar industry across that region. And people are going to get back to enjoying that. John, you know, you live right near Lake Michigan yourself. And it, it, you know, if you're a real weather geek or a weather weenie, as I like to say, there's no bad day to go out and look at the weather on the Great Lakes. On the sunniest day or the stormiest day, it's all so dynamic. And that's why I love going up to visit. Yeah, it's a, it's a natural air conditioner in the summer. Uh, you know, if we if it gets hot at my house and, and it was like the three, four days a year where it gets hot where I am, uh, you can just drive, you know, 15 miles to the lakeshore and it'll be in the 60s or low 70s and it'll just feel fabulous so yeah i can't wait my heart just pangs to get back to the lakeshore again you know eventually once these uh stay-at-home orders are lifted well i hope that both of you get to go and enjoy the lakeshore this summer i i don't get to well maybe maybe i'll just go once we're allowed to travel again <laughs> once <laughs> once it's safe to fly maybe i'll head up and uh enjoy it but in years past i've really enjoyed the lakes and uh this is really tough i know we're we're talking a lot about the science of this but we know and understand that this is very difficult for homes and businesses people that live there that are facing you know basically a shutdown of their everyday life on a regular basis when these lakeshore warnings flooding warnings are are issued so um we know that and understand that and and we hope that there's some reprieve there soon because it's not all just Hey, you know the science of it. There's there's that human impact. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit surreal seeing this uh, seeing a couple homes uh, near Kenosha, Wisconsin, that maybe were built I don't know fifty feet, a hundred feet from the lakeshore on a bluff, and all of a sudden you just see this bluff just eroding and eroding away. Half of the house just caves into the lake. Uh, they probably never thought that that would ever happen to them. So it does, we it hope just, it goes down soon. It puts a pit in your stomach. I I know that you guys feel the same way. It's really hard to watch these events unfold from a meteorological perspective and then know what their what their cost is. Oh, sure. I mean, it, it, it's, it's upending people's lives. It's flooding beaches and eroding beaches that are popular summer spots, you know, in a 
non-COVID world. So yeah, it's it's really it's really upending it's really upending lives all the way up and down the lakeshore. Yeah, yeah, and I, I you know, and I don't want to forget our Canadian neighbors because um, they share those shorelines and uh, uh, just flooding week after week, and so. Uh, hopefully, the international commissions, both in the U.S. and Canada, that uh, are responsible for uh, policies on the lakes are going to continue to move forward here and help to draft the types of policies that are going to mitigate the types of damages that we've been seeing and hopefully protect the residents. Thank you guys so much for schooling this Southern gal on Great Lakes water levels, because it, it is definitely something that is a little bit out of my repertoire. It's not something I talk about every day, but I hope... John, that you get some nice warm weather. You deserve it. You deserve it. It's been so nice here in the South, uh, or at least in the Southeast. And Tom, so good to talk to you. I hope that you're enjoying your mostly retired life as a mountain man. <laughs> it's It's been a pleasure. I love hiking the Appalachians, but let me tell you, just a little note for you. This will be a, a little Chamber of Commerce note here. If you do get up to the Great Lakes region, you go across that border into Canada, just on the other side of Niagara Falls, and go to one of the most eclectic, beautiful little towns in North America called Niagara-on-the-Lake in Ontario. And I will tell you, um, you will have a treat for your eyes that um, you've not seen before. So there's my little tourist um, information for you, my little ad today. Um, and... Uh, I hope you all enjoy the summer and we can eventually all get back out and enjoy nature the way it should be. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And thank you guys for listening to the Weather Channel podcast. Uh, we try and keep you updated on everything that's going on in the weather, all interesting aspects, as well as more severe threats. And now that we're inching closer to hurricane season, yes, I said it, we're going to be paying attention to the tropics as well. So, hey, if you want to subscribe, that would be awesome. That way you get all of these episodes right on whatever platform you listen to, whether it's iTunes or Google Play, whatever it may be. And I have to give a little plug to my podcast, Warming Signs. We had a great guest this last week talking about a little reef in Maui that ended up in the Supreme Court and the kind of story about that. So there's a little teaser if you want to check out Warming Signs. And as always, reach out, say hi on Twitter or anywhere. You can reach me at WeatherKate. What about you, John? You can reach me on Twitter at uh, WXJERDMAN, W-X-J-E-R-D-M-A-N. You tweet great stuff. So does Tom. Yeah, and I'll be at Tom Nizzle. That's T-O-M-N-I-Z-I-O-L. There you go. And you can always get a lot more content on your Weather Channel app and on weather.com. Thank you, guys.